right, thanks for uh, joining us here on Faith Over Breakfast. We got a good show for you coming up. We just recorded it, and we're reflecting back on it now. It's always interesting to do that because it, it changes from what we thought it was going to be. So, yes, um, Eric, what? Yeah, tell us a little bit about what to expect <laughs> this time. Well, I guess I just go into venting. So you're going to get to hear me vent. I promise. I didn't use anybody's name, nor did I really talk about my church, but. Maybe it was just some morning frustrations with <laughs> church and life and the way we live it out. Yep, yep. There's some good stuff there. And, and then, you know, some other interesting topics came up. I mean, there's a little bit about a little bit about how we preach, a little bit about giving money to the church, a little bit more about grieving my dad. Yeah. Um, some of those kind of things pop up in and out all the way to the end. And um, so... Yeah, enjoy, and thanks for tuning in with us. Yeah, thanks for listening to us. Hey, Andy. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast Podcast. This is Eric, as you already know. I'm pastor of the Village Church. You're pastor of Mission Church. You are eating one crazy breakfast from EXO that looks like it's got a lot of color in it. This is the most colorful breakfast I've perhaps ever had in my life. Um, These are breakfast tacos, and I've never ordered this before. The guy, I, I wanted to order it. The guy at the front affirmed that was a good choice. He was right. They're delicious. They are they're very colorful. It's Christmas on a plate. It is Christmas on a plate. Um, and they are all over myself. So if I need to do anything on the computer to edit or stop or, you know, I'm just going to have food on my on my laptop here. So It's, it, it's going to be a sticky meal. A sticky meal. So if there are any awkward silences, the way it goes, <laughs> Eric shows up earlier than me always and eats... Purport, purportedly eats something. No, I always have to drink something here. So I have their yeah. house cappuccino, which is very good today. Yeah. And then I have food, and so, yeah, anyway. So if you hear me munching, I'm sorry. It's Faith Over Breakfast. That's what you get. Right. That's what it is. I, I don't have breakfast because I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning and out of the house at 6, working on my message and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And Diligence. then I got here. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm old now. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, I've... I've noticed. But apparently the, the, <laughs> the cardiologist yesterday told me, my heart is really great, but he said, you need to get some more exercise. Mm. And I said, dude, when I exercise, I don't feel good because I have this acid reflux stuff. So I've been walking a lot, but rigorous exercise. So they put me on that treadmill. Yeah. And I had to do that for five minutes. Uh-huh. And? I did fine. But you know what's really nice I've discovered? is that I take Rod with me to my anxiety-producing doctor's appointments. He's uh-huh. like an oversized Xanax. It's just perfect. Really? Yeah. He makes jokes with the doctors. He's funny. He's big. Oh. You know? He kind of like looks a little, you know, unique. Yeah. And so people get distracted by him. And then he brought my blood pressure down by 10 points. So a lot of our listeners know who we are, know that we're in Tucson, Arizona, know that EXO is a great place in central Tucson, Arizona, but some don't, and some don't know who Rod is. That's true. They don't know who Rod is, and we've kept it a secret. Yeah. None of us really want to let anybody know who he is. Yeah. And and it, yeah, he's kind of one of those things that you just, you know, you want to to keep to yourself. You don't want everyone to know. You don't want want to share Rod with everyone. Well, and... Maybe. He doesn't listen to our podcast. Which is fine. Yeah. So we can say whatever we want about it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I doubt daddy listens to any podcast. Why in the world would you when you could be on CRC Voices? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, that's all. I'm not going to explain that one. It doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, so you, you were telling me, so, I don't, you know, we... The premise of this podcast, as some of you know, is that we sit down and we have breakfast. We're two pastors here in Tucson. We pastor small, somewhat unique churches, and we, we talk about things we want to talk about and invite you to the table. Um, you know, there's some topics we mentioned last time that maybe we would bring up, but I, I think I'm getting a sense from my buddy Eric here that he needs to talk. Um, there's some frustrations about the doc. What's going on with the doctor? What's, what are they doing to you? first of all. Oh, well, let's just talk about my health insurance. Yeah. Because 
I mean, I've had these health problems over the last six months, and some of them are working themselves out, and that's all great. But every time I go to the dumb doctor, which I love, by the way, I love my doctor, Dr. Maxwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my lot, doctor. Yeah, a lot what? of us, he's a sweetheart. He uh-huh. prays with me. He's a, he's, he sees half my church. He's a great guy. Um, but uh, every doctor's appointment, I get a call from the health insurance. Yeah. And they want me to, they, A, they don't agree with certain treatments. They want me to do this counseling. They want, they want to keep telling me about all the services they have. And if I have any concerns, I should call the nurse that's on call 24-7. But my wife, who sees the doctor just as much as I do, she doesn't get one phone call. I, I, don't, I don't get any phone calls. Yes. From, I go to the same doctor. I think we have the same insurance. We, just we do. So I'm going to call them back this time, and I'm going to talk to them about why they aren't calling you. No, don't bring me in. <laughs> Please. I get plenty of phone calls. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, there's this guy named Andy Littleton, date of birth. If they want to give me free counseling, though, I'm down. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes free counseling can be more stressful than than not having counseling. That's true. Uh, Oh, man. Yeah, so... um, Sorry, total left turn. Do you ever, um, as a pastor who counsels and who grew up with counselors as parents... Does the thought of getting counseling from people that you know, stink at it in your mind just is that a horrible thought? It is. Yeah. Um, or hearing about somebody's counseling, the counseling that they I've I've I'm not as steeped in as you, but I hear about the counseling that other people get, and I just cringe. And then I wonder do do they cringe when they hear about what I say? You know, these other counselors probably. Probably. Uh, I mean, I think that. In our circles, in the Christian world, um, in general, we're ill-equipped to deal with with what's happening in our culture. And what I'm finding, actually, is that the secular world, Mm -hmm. and what I would call the secular-slash-spiritual world, pretty strong movement in the Buddhists, you know, and in mindfulness stuff, they're actually doing really good work, and they are moving further beyond us in understanding how to help people walk through trauma. Mm. It's sad to me that they don't aren't able to integrate that with Jesus. But I was just listening to some, uh, actually reading a book uh, called the Trauma Toolkit. Trauma Toolkit. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she was actually mentioned. The person who mentioned the book that I'm reading, so I listened to on a podcast, was mentioning that she went and trained some Christians and was actually pleasantly surprised at how already connected to more deep things they were so it's in our in our world but we're uh yeah i think as pastors in particular we're not prepared for a world that is full of just a mess like everybody you know has had to deal with the with trauma at some level in their life like for instance even just you losing your father is a traumatic event there's elements of you know shock and and you know denial and disbelief and and a lot of you know having to rebuild your system to survive and all these things that we do when we experience trauma and a lot of times we just let it be like we don't nobody ever processes it and we don't know how to handle it and pastors don't know what to do and congregations don't and and losing a loved one is not a mild trauma but it is in the context of like you lost your father in a very loving context right or he wasn't abusive to you or anything like that. But right. still, a death is hugely traumatic. Yeah. Um, and you have to go through these processes. People have to know how to walk through things with people. And, and, and so, so what do you see in Christian counseling? How, I mean, so <laughs> part of when we, we sat down is uh, you joked that you needed to vent. Yeah. And I actually think that's the podcast. I think we're going right, to oh, vent. Right. Here we go. Yeah. If you can get me to vent, I'll vent. I'll try, well... I'll see what happens. Are you saying I'm supposed to push your buttons? <laughs> Andy, you can do that pretty well, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, let's see. What, <laughs> I'm up to the challenge. Yeah. Um, no. Um, so, what do you see happening in in Christian counseling that just is messing up the, the, the you know where, where people are in trauma and, and it's falling flat? What, well, what's Tell me about that. Or just in Christian communities. Well, I think it's... I actually think it's... Uh, 
It's better than it used to be. I think people like Dan Allender and Larry Crabbe, and, and then all the people that they've trained, plus, I think, you know, and this is for people who are on the inside. People, Adams, people who, who were trained under Adams or influenced by Adams have changed. Yes. And so there is more of a therapeutic model being built in. I think people are trying to understand that Jesus was not a step in, give people a bunch of answers, expect them to make their life work. Right. We're learning that there's a strong physiology built into how we experience life, that our bodies are a big part of things, not just our minds. Um, And you can see that rooted in in the Jewish part of this. Well, scriptures are Jewish, but the Old Testament, its Jewishness um, has that body rootedness in it. And we're trying to learn that that and kind of reconnect to that. But I don't think, for the most part, churches are equipped to deal with this. People are equipped to deal with this. Because what we get on Sunday, in my mind, are two forms of of teaching and little or no community. We get either a strong, exegetical, you know, um, biblically-focused... Mission church. Mission church. Bible-centered. No, I'm not saying that it's in church at all. And, And that really doesn't address people's brokenness and doesn't address the fact that they're not going to move out of it tomorrow mm-hmm. and on the other hand we have you know what I would call for the most part you know Andy Standy Light which mm-hmm. is a lot of solution based self help mm-hmm. um, sometimes I think Andy at least gives some depth at times but it's still a self help mode and so you go in, and these are easy fixes and easy ways to deal with things from up front. Yeah, so here's no, one step you can take to make your life better. Right. Um, I have been in the church for a very long time. Um, I grew up in it. I think I've had a broad exposure, and I have never heard an extended teaching on lament. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we live in a culture that's mode like is built towards fixing things. Mm. Um, you know, and so, yeah. So I think a lot of times what happens is people just feel very lost. And and, and, and the thing is, it's hard work. Like, following Jesus, like, we've been going through Mark. Yeah. And, and Jesus goes to Matthew and tells him to come up out of the, you know, the tax collector booth and follow him. Well, that get up word is the same word that Jesus uses when he's talking to Mary and Martha about uh, Lazarus. And he's just, he says, he's just not gotten up yet. Yeah. It's, it's a complete life like change life. experience. And so he's saying, don't be a tax collector. Don't be a dad. Don't be like all your prime, all your posts, your identities, like those no longer exist. Mm-hmm. They're all subject to me and to following me and to mm-hmm. my agenda this is now your identity and we say that in church but we don't sit for a moment and contemplate what the heck we're saying and how that would yeah just decimate everything we've worked for right Mm -hmm. and it's it's life altering because it doesn't mean that God is saying well come follow me and you can never have fun and you can never enjoy your job and you can never But if you're not going to sit down or stand up or whatever it takes to do the primary work of becoming a disciple and a stripping of your identity, like to be able to move into everything you do with the identity of I'm a priest to the people, wherever I go. When I walk home and I'm a priest to my wife, um, I'm a priest to the kids, I'm a priest to the space. Like that, a lot of times you just slough that off, oh, that's a nice philosophical idea, it's cool. No, it's it's the primary thing that's all you should be thinking about um, that changes the way you're a dad it changes the way you're a son and a daughter and like it, in the way you know and I, I think like a lot of times we, we say oh well I, we're like the disciples oh, well I gave up all this stuff like right and I love Jesus' response to that well yeah he, he, if you're going to get all these things and then he tax on and persecution mm-hmm. you know and <laughs> trouble yeah and so I don't know I know I'm venting a little and that's what this is all about but I think the church is not 
like we're afraid of losing people and we're afraid of losing money um, and we're afraid that like we won't be able to survive and survival has become more important to us mm. and I just think that's never a good place to be well when you think about the church like 90% of churches in the world are under 70 people yeah. but every training that you go to is built for, for how to be a better leader how to grow your church past blah 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 how to have the executive thing you know in fact some of our good friends are starting a podcast here uh, oh, called right. Leadership Something I don't know what it's called yeah yeah. <laughs> and I love them I'm glad they're doing that but it is part of the mode mm-hmm. you know that we're going towards yeah okay I'm inventing <laughs> yeah what were you I mean, maybe you can't be specific, but with, like, the... You were talking about the giving. Um, like, that's been a thing that's come up for me, like, a, a frustration uh, throughout the years. Because, like, boy, do I want people to give and give generously. I mean, right. that... You know, we we both have talked about how key that's been to us having a place to meet as a church, a home to settle into and be hospitable to other folks with and that requires people to give and, and how great it is to be taken care of as pastors um, the music's getting louder yeah. um, but um, or maybe it's just a just a big crescendo um, but we've you know just how how important that is to feel cared for right by the people of our church and so you know giving that's huge but I, I know throughout the years like I've seen people like be catered to, yes, because they're givers. And you were right. talking about some interesting stat. What was that? Well, I don't know. I just read some article, and they were talking about the trends that they're observing. And I know this is out in the suburban church, but uh-huh. what they're observing is that the people who give the most and who are actually volunteering the most are coming to church less. Yeah. And part of the reason they're saying that is is that. Um, we have more designer sports now. Oh. And so people don't have as much time. And so then what's happening is those, those people are influencers, and so everybody is attending church less. Yeah. And this is happening in the bigger churches. Yeah. But for me, it's like, okay, what that should tell you is not like you need to cater differently. It tells you that you have a community of undiscipled people who don't believe that Jesus is actually the thing that they're about. And that they need to be with God's people and like this is vital. Yes. Yeah. Like Sunday, like, and, and maybe this, you know, betrays my theology. <laughs> <laughs> but I really believe that, and I don't care if it's on Sunday, but I believe that the gathering of people together to listen to the word, yeah. to to break bread in a complex way over the table and over an actual dinner table, yeah. like for that to be a meal. <laughs> And to, to work out that is the thing that changes you. Yeah. It's where change happens. It influences what you're going to do in that week. Not for the high. A lot of times I leave church without the high. Right. Because it's heartbreaking. And yeah. it's powerful. And it's convicting. Yeah, and it's when in disturbing. the world did we decide that you were supposed to feel better or have a high? Like, is that... I, sometimes, you know, just those simple little questions of like, wait, is, did that come from the Bible? Or somewhere else, and it it did not come from the Bible, right? No, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, but then you hear that, like, yeah, this is supposed to be your motivation, the, the thing that shoots you out into the week, and you hear that, and you go, yeah. Wait, really? No, it's, it's supposed to develop thankfulness. I mean, Ephesians yeah. talks about this yeah. as you've been preaching on. I don't know if you guys have gotten to that passage or wake up with a sleeper. But We're almost done with Ephesians, which is wild. So you've yeah. covered that yeah. passage, and yeah. I mean, there's thankfulness and singing new songs, yeah. and, and but I don't hear anybody like supercharge you to you know be super spiritual. I suppose it'd be different every week, right? Yeah. Like there could be a week where you did walk away feeling really encouraged, and then another week where you'd walk away feeling yeah. very burdened by what is happening in your community. Yeah, and I don't think the goal is to feel like overwhelmed and helpless. I think the goal is to feel is to know the the redemption of Jesus and the yeah. hope in Christ, and to to have that onion per se peeled, you know, of your own issues and your sin, and and being able to go out and be a priest in a way that's more effective. 
yeah. and honoring to God. I, I, yeah, I want to be a good disciple. I want to have stripped away my own selfishness uh, and my own my own motivations because they're just always in the way. Even in me venting, it's like I want some justification for things. I want I want <laughs> things to be right yeah. and in my way. Yeah. Like, so I, you know, I'm, but but I guess I'm just it's just one of those days yeah and you know I, was, I, I have because of some of the things I was dealing with over the last few weeks been trying to find communities in other states that could be helpful with people who are struggling and they're uh, just not there and they just don't understand and it's just it's a mess yeah and, and then the more I kind of see the bigger picture of Christianity it's I believe in diversity but I don't believe in a hodgepodge you know, I feel like we're just all scrambling and grasping and trying to deal with stuff. I don't know. Wonder how many other people feel that way. Probably right. a lot of us do. Yeah, even outside and and even outside of Christianity. Yeah. Wonder if you were really to get to the down to the core of these human institutions that you know, if, if so many people are going like we're just not as on the same page as we thought we were. Yeah. There's a there's something to the we just can't find unity we just it's part of it part of our human situation it seems yeah we want it so bad yeah I don't know I think (laughs) I think that's my venting (laughs) yeah well and you know I think like it goes back to the even I think the women in ministry and all the different things that we've talked about I know people have strong opinions about things and, and I'm, I understand that because I have strong opinions but I feel like we're in a place in time where you know we women in ministry people can come down wherever they want but that's not the issue right we yeah, have way right. too many hurting people for women in ministry to even be an issue right. like you know we've gotten to a place where it's, do you believe in Jesus do you believe he was God you believe he came as man and fully God and fully man, died for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, and is coming back to make all things right? Okay, let's go do this. Yeah. You know, let's go do this. Yeah. And yeah. Does that mean we're going to fall on different sides of gender? Yes. And, and hopefully, you know, we can wrestle through that and how people do ministry together. But we have to... I don't know. I think the era of... of disunity over some of this stuff needs to end um, and I think it will have to end um, you know I was I was talking with a, with a, a minister in town and it kind of kind of from another era who is sort of grilling me on all my positions um, a, a number of them and uh, and and one of my responses was I just I responded back I said you know what Nobody, nobody out out around looking in at our churches cares about any of that. And so, if we're gonna if we're gonna take Christ out, like what we're not taking out is whether we are Baptists or whether we are this or that or you you name it. They just couldn't care less. And frankly, I'm getting aware my zeal for those things zeal for being you know this brand of of Christianity is is really waning because I see so much brokenness and so many people who are you know within the church outside all over just where it's like if somebody just believed in Jesus and just and had a little hope like that would be a big week yeah like even some of the people that confess all the stuff in the creeds, yeah, they, then can't apply any of it, and and then I and that's indicting of me because yes. I, I do the same joke, yeah. and that that frustrates me to no end. You know, that I'm, yeah, I mean I'm I'm processing my dad's death, and yeah, you know, as I'm doing that, just thinking, you know. Do I do I have this faith? Right? Yeah. Is that is this a real thing? You know, asking that question. It's difficult. 
Yeah. I feel like our music is progressively it's getting progressively louder. Progressively getting louder. louder. <laughs> Here, should let's turn let's turn that down. Yeah. You yeah. Are, you got, you're closer this time. I'm closer you, this you're, time. You're, has been brought to you by Exo <laughs> Coffee. Coffee where the where the music's great and the uh, oh man, the food's even out. better. Music is good. So um, <laughs> the speaker got moved up onto the loft. Just kind of changing our lives up here. I know. Just a little little different. It is. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah. So and, and I don't want to. I mean, I, I think our theological convictions matter. No, I, I do you know, too. We and that's just so you're out there listening and you're going oh no Andy and Eric are leaving the faith like no 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 I mean we we both deeply care about that stuff and you should everyone should I mean what you believe on stuff it changes the way you operate but what I mean but the the amount of disunity over some of that stuff I think is going to have to end because otherwise the church is just going to be so stinking fragmented yeah that it's going to be absolutely useless yeah it's weird because I have like that stream going and then a frustration with pop theology. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so, to where, yeah, sure. I'm not I, I, quite sure what to do with that. I, I do that too, where I'm like, "Where's the depth? Where's the yeah?" Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the real question is, you know, can you hold those two? I, I think probably more my concern is that all of the theologies come out of the Reformation, and they come out of a mind-oriented thing, and we yeah. haven't. Our theology does not include a body. Like hmm. it's really dualistic. So, and I agree with you. And, um, and but I want you to work that out a little more because I think you said it a couple times. But I want to I want to hear you. Okay. Work that well, out I mean, I think it's dualistic in the sense that it's very Augustinian, um, and you know, Augustine and Plato had a strong influence on Augustine. I mean, not that they were ever friends because they were in different eras, but def- certainly yeah. it influenced him and and so like that dualism means that everything is in our mind yeah that we are working everything out and we kind of co-opt philippians and let, let us have a mind of christ yeah. and so it's not so somehow we think that that that's all that matters right when like even a mind is a, a physical thing it is a physical thing and i just think you know i think what happens is is that we are very behavioral yeah in our mode so we expect change very quickly. We are quick to point out things that are wrong. Yeah. Um, we we believe that people just need to get over it. That the, that Christ can heal it and fix it all at once. Yeah. Um, and and it just doesn't happen that way. Like when you've been when you go through something, your you know your body responds to it. Stress changes things. And so if you have like a heated argument with your wife, it's not just in the mind. Right. Like your body is feeling it. And then that has a impact. And so I like being willing to acknowledge that because what happens is we live in a world that's constantly distracted because we don't want to be in our bodies. Like if I, like even if you think about it, if you just sit and say okay can I feel the bottom of my feet on the floor right can I feel my calves like if somebody goes through that process often they'll find that actually a lot of times we don't spend time in our bodies because we're because that means that our mind is engaged with our bodies yeah and we want to separate those so I can figure it out and what's the solution I don't want to feel pain and I feel like Jesus says pick up your cross what he's saying is life really sucks it's going to really hurt Mm. But if you stick really close behind me, the burden is not going to be heavy. Yeah. Like, but it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Like, because you got to get, you have to release all of this, and, and so that you can offer healing to others. And it's a process. I, know, I don't know. I'm just playing around with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And thinking through it, and, and what does it mean? Because what we're doing doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I actually think looking through the Bible and finding your, you know. It's topical five-week sermon doesn't yeah. work. And I'm not completely sure what I do more and what you do more of walking all the way through the, a particular book in an exegetical mode and bringing in the whole story of Scripture into that book always works either. Oh, it, nothing always works. Um, but, but I don't even know if it works universally. 
Yeah. Like, I, I think there's some ways of like that we are going to have to adjust how we help people take these things mm. yeah. and begin to massage them. And we talked about this last week about 52 sermons. Yeah. And I started out thinking all 52 sermons need to be fresh, new, and never ever preached before by anybody. <laughs> right? Like I need to be, like, or, or something wrong with me. Yeah. When I realize that with my kids, I tell say the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> you know, and that's how I am. Yeah. And so some of this is taking principles, like we don't do this, is take principles and work them into our communities over years. Yeah. And I think you can you can do that through a lot of different ways of teaching. Oh, I agree. Like, for instance, a uh, thing that I was bumping up against was in Ephesians. So we spent the year in Ephesians, but Ephesians is a pretty simple book in my mind. It's complex, but it's simple. I mean, it the beginning of the book is an explanation of what Jesus did for his people that these people would have heard they would have heard this a number of times this is how they came to Christ this is in a way like old news and the whole beginning of the book is like re-saying it in a different way Mm -hmm. what they had heard over and over and then the second half in a way is saying so in light of that here are some things that should be true within our community which I'm sure they had also heard um, which was you know said over and over and then at the end, we're, we were just doing like the armor of God. And mm-hmm. as I studied into that, one of the most important things about it is that it wasn't, it's not a weird like addendum at the end. Sure. It's a summary of the book of Ephesians, right. really. And so it's, so what are we supposed to talk about? We're supposed to talk about like, here's, here's our victorious king, Jesus, and here's everything that he's done. And here's, when he's equipped us with his, um, his gifts and his armor, the things that he's used and won the battle with, he's given them to us, and so we're to go use them. Yeah. That's kind of just a summary. So it was. it's a very repetitive message yeah. when you get down to it over and over again. But what can happen with exegetical teaching, and I'm sure I do it, and I'm sure we do it, is that you pick a book apart so much that you miss the, the point of the book. And you, and you get into all this minutiae that the author clearly didn't get into. Right. Because they did not spend an hour per word. They they wrote this whole letter and it was read all at once. Yeah. It's one thought. I think the thing that I have noticed, and it's hard to talk from this position, because then if you talk from this position, well, go listen to my sermons and you'll find out that oh, yeah, I'm not in that position. I love it. <laughs> right? So, so great. So making, making a critique of anything puts you on the chopping block to critique. But oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to chop you Go later. for it. No, I'm but gonna, I'm I think kidding. one of the things that the emerging church <laughs> brought to the table that got overlooked, and that is that the role of the leaders is to help the community tell its own story. Mm. And to not have scripture as a disembodied book right but actually as an authoritative community member who's helping the whole community tell its story yeah in relationship to Jesus and recentering its story so like the the pastor the speaker becomes not just the teacher but the one who's helping take the aberrant narratives the ones that are out there in the community and trying to steer them back into the middle but making it not about just an ancient story but a story that's still being played out in that community and so you become more of a storyteller but not somebody who stands up and tells a funny story right and everybody laughs but a storyteller who's able to narrate which I think is a good thing about smaller churches is that you're able in some ways you know to address the subgroups that are small in your community and, and tease them and then engage them and encourage them to come in and the main groups to, to you're trying to help show them how they fit and how yeah. they're telling the story right now and how they're moving off of that story um, I think that's missing in, in yeah because it and I think it's a huge part of forming community and getting people to be connected to their local community is that they're part of a big story that's why you want to come on Sundays you want to know where you fit in the story and how what you're doing and how you're part of it and yeah um, what, how Scripture is guiding us in that, and particularly how the Holy Spirit is, is leading that community. Yeah, you know. So I think like building projects like yours, if you do them a certain way, lead to that. Even in your speaking, you you get to interweave it. It's not just a we have a thermometer 
and uh, we need this much money, but it's about the the, the upturning of the spirit and the, what he's doing in people internally together. Yeah. So there's a lot of, and I'm not saying pastors don't do that, but I, I'm going to say that overall they don't. It's not happening. Yeah. Because it's a lot more work, and you have to be more in your community to be able to tell that story. Yeah. You know. Which is why we don't bring in a lot of outside speakers. Because right. it becomes very obvious, the contrast, because they don't know the story. Yeah. They're they're coming in teaching this general stuff that right. doesn't click. Right. right. I mean, and that's why I often don't go other places. I know you... I, it's good because people need it, but I, I tend to believe more that you should be raising up the people inside your community to have tell that story too up front, mm. and that um, it allows for tighter narrative. I know that there are arguments for bringing people on the outside and exposing more things, but people listen to so many podcasts; they hear everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's wild know. how many voices we're listening to these days. Right? Yes. And everybody yeah. has their favorite. People tell me, "Ah, oh, I was listening to so and so, and I was listening to so and so." You know. So if you if you had to pick five churches in the world that if if you were to uh, fall off a cliff tomorrow, yeah, and your people could go out to any other, they'd follow any other leader. Which one would they follow? <laughs> which ones? Oh, jeez. Do you think? I don't. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm very comfortable with Mission Church. Thanks. Right? Because we do stuff. Yeah. Together. Philosophically, we come from, you know, 80% of the same place. Theologically, yeah. we're mostly in the same place. <laughs> and and practice-wise, though I think in some ways your church is just younger, so it's yeah. learning the practice. Yeah. You're headed where we were. We yeah. were and, and I, yeah, I, I like the cross-pollination that I've already seen in the process. So, yeah. At this point, you know, I mean, I know a few other local churches. I don't know. I mean, based on, like, the podcast people listen to and stuff like that, where would they? Where would I go? Yeah. That's hard, because there aren't a lot of us little people. Well, I mean, if they say that if they're, they go to this little church, but they listen to a big guy. Oh, well, they're all, I mean, everybody's listening to, you know, whatever the, you know, they used to be listening to Mark Driscoll. Now they're listening to Matt Chandler. Or they're listening to Furyk. Or they're listening yeah. to oh, what's the guy up in Michigan? A form guy. I don't remember his name. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's Young a bunch guy, of them up in Michigan. Fiery. I think it's in Michigan. Maybe he's not in Michigan. Yeah. Maybe he's in Wyoming. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. He's at all the reform conferences. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, you probably know he's. I don't know. Like, I don't really. They, pay they would all disperse out to various mega churches throughout the, the yeah, country. I think they would. Well, I think a lot of people <laughs> based on based on their podcasting would stop going. You think? Yeah. Or they might go down to Vineyard. Or they might go to your church. They might go up to David Ganey's church. Yeah. Probably one of the relational. Well, they would try to just uh, form a church together. Yeah. Without me or without God or whoever else. Yeah. 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 It's. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good thing you're here. No, it's not. No, it is. Uh, don't downplay yourself too much here. Well, no, but like, what happens is you become the person who's always saying, that's not good. Well, you know, and maybe that's the role that like, God has given me, but. Um, well, it's funny because when I went over, not to put you on the chopping block. Yeah. But maybe I am. No. When I went over to the uh, conference, yeah, you yeah. Know, I was I was just thinking like I was thinking how much like your your background, your everything, you know, has really shaped the church and, and Rod'll say the same thing. He'll say, Oh, this is Eric's this is yes. this church is Eric all over the place. Yeah. And so it's funny because like you know, there's a sense in which you're, you're talking about like all the other voices and everything, but it's like these voices are sound a lot like yours. Yes, they do. And um, and it there there are other voices, but they're voices that you have influenced. And I think that's natural, but I think it's easy to to kind of go like, hey, it's a community of all these people whose voices are are leading it and they shape it. When it's like, well, sorta, but they have gathered around you. Yeah. You know? No, 
which is a pretty crazy thing, isn't it? It is a pretty crazy <laughs> thing. Yeah, kind of terrifying. It is. Yeah. It's terrifying because the responsibility feels like it falls on you a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, in some ways, and you know this because you're the full-time pastor, and you're doing, you are attempting to do something new and, and reforming and rethinking because you do believe, because you and I are reformed. Right. And it's not, it's more like we are reformers and reforming. Yeah. We're not completely reformed. No. We believe that everything in all structures are in need of reform until the final day yeah. of God. For and, sure. And including... S- us. Eric and Andy. Yes. And so, like, when you are driven that way, like, when you're not saying, like, I'm here to uphold this theology, but to continually reform it, reshape it, bring it into its practice to look, you know, practicing it differently or whatever it is to, like, meet the people where they're at and bring them into the kingdom of God and into a relationship with Jesus, you're in this constant learning and constant reshaping and constant thinking through things, and you're paid to do that. So people are looking to you to kind of, okay, well, where do we go with this? How do we think? They're not going to read the eight books that you just read. They want to go practice it. So yeah, And that's not everybody's gift nor calling. And that's one of the things that, that idea of calling, I used to, I really balked against it because I was so tired of hearing about people's callings. Oh, I am too. uh, Yeah. But, um, but what has sunk in with me the last few years is there have been times where I'm going, why am I teaching these people anything? You know, because I'll be, I'll think, I'll, I know myself, I'm, I'm driving around, I'm a mess, I'm, I'm stressed, you know, my wife's disappointed. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not beautiful. And I've, I'll t- I've told my church, look, sure. if you're looking for a hero, go somewhere else, you know, because I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not it. Um, but I can, I can tell you about Jesus. Um, and that's all I got, you know, and that's, but when I think about calling, I think like that must be kind of what it is. It's like, you know, it's not like, you know, I think of Paul who isn't good at speaking, who gives us the majority of our new Testament and spreads the church all throughout the world. Right. So... You know, calling didn't mean he's better at it. Yeah. There, there, there are a, it. From what he says, it sounds like there were hundreds of people he was well aware of who would have been better at it. He even mentions a few. He mentions a few, <laughs> yeah. But it's, but they weren't called to what he was by right. God, right. and um, and so God used his weakness yeah. to do an amazing thing, and the weakness of Paul made it evident that it yeah. was God. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking more in those terms of calling when yeah. I get up there and go, why in the world am I teaching them about having great faith? Right. How does that happen? Yeah. You know? Well, I, and I, I believe that, like, yes, there, there are definitely, like, as an elder, you hold a position of, of the person who's in lead, he, who's saying, I'm headed into the world, come follow me into the world. Yeah. I just I think the priesthood of all believers doesn't mean that there aren't lead priests. Yeah. But to understand that these all are the implementers. I mean, yeah. I always joke oh, in yeah. my church that everyone is a leader. Even when my kid was little, he led. He led the dog. Yeah. That was his ministry. <laughs> the dog was his ministry, and he told the dog where to go. The dog yeah. did it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we kind of like as pastors, yeah. that people do it sometimes. <laughs> yes. We're all in that place as yeah. priests. We're yeah. all. To, to minister, to lead, to care, to, to so yeah. But there is always the person who's defining that mission and, and calling people into it. Um, it's just do you do it with a limp and with a with a humility and with a brokenness and a willingness to listen and be changed by the community itself. Yeah, and I think that's the big part. Like having your ear to the ground to be like, okay, my community's going this way. I don't can't go this way. I have to like go with them and help them move wherever they're going. Well, there's. I suppose there might be times though when. Certainly, yeah. I, and I, that's that's hard. That's super hard too. When it's like my community's going this way and I can't go with them. Yeah, and I think possibly more. I mean that not necessarily in. Um, just more in. This is the level of pain and struggle. Yeah. I'm not going to yank them. I can't yank them this way. I have right. to be here. Yeah. Even though I may have an agenda, 
the genitals gonna have to wait while we yeah. bind up wounds. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When they want to go theologically or in a sinful direction, yeah, then you're right. You you end up being lonely. Yeah. Or just watching things fall apart in front of you. What do you do? You can't do anything. You can't fix this. You can't fix it. Yeah. 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 And you have to trust that Jesus is the ultimate, which is hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Absolutely. We be- we betray our words on that one a lot. Um, so, last, last question I have for you, pretty personal, is just... Uh, personal for me that I like your input um, so with all this stuff of you know body trauma stuff like that as I'm you know, facing the death of my dad and any any wisdom you've seen throughout the years for not making that all up in my head well I think something you said last week made me think that you're headed in the right direction okay is that one of the keys that's eliminated from our culture is the fact that you need restoration. Yeah. And restoration means stopping the trajectory so that you can find some centering. And you were saying that you're going to take some weeks next year and yeah. some sabbatical things. Like, I think that is so deeply essential to your body because, you know, like anything, things have to rest. Yeah. And so when you've had some trauma... You have to have time to process. And you have to have time to just sit. And even just enjoy yourself without thinking about your church, without thinking about, you know, anything but what's happening in the moment. Yeah. So just, that's, I think, the key thing. It's not a lot of times we say, i got to push through. You know, dad died, church is growing, get a new building, got five counseling things that are over my head, you know. I got I got to figure out how to teach, you know, every needs to be taught like all those things that you know that end up in your process as a pastor you have to be able to say no actually I don't I, I have to stop hmm. and that was a hard lesson for me to learn yeah and I'm still learning it I mean I, I still am like and my community is still like you know trying to get me to to make the appropriate adjustments I feel like our church has been really good you know I, I don't think I don't sense from the church any pressure which is really cool like I think they want that for me I got away briefly uh, last week just left uh, Saturday spent the night in Bisbee which is where my dad was born yeah got out to his uh, his old house for a little bit talked to my aunt let her tell me a little bit about him had had some really um, it was short but it was very necessary I mean it just just kind of had a I don't know. Just sat in my little pop-up trailer. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about it because I was just crying, mm. and I was thinking about the. Uh, there's some people that had pulled in, and they were setting up camp next to me, and I thought, uh, I wonder. <laughs> they're sitting there going, "Oh shoot, <laughs> <laughs> what just happened over there?" But it was. Uh, it's good. Mm. I need. I want more. Yeah. I want more of that. And it, you're right. Like even that. Even though it was brief, it felt. Um, just that respite from the from the trouble and the, and the difficulty it's good good for my whole self and it was like that spiritual like some of the prayers and everything like I couldn't they weren't happening yeah and then I, I kind of stepped away and took some long walks and then they happened yeah 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 I think like so from the story and you've told us I think live on air about yeah, just probably. you know that your dad had a lot of trauma in his own life yeah and oh man so for you actually there's probably a lot of secondary trauma in yeah. that because of his experience yeah that not that he was abusive to you but that that's present him having it all bound up in him and never really being able to release it I suspect well, his his pain. I've, I've recognized this even when I was out there driving out to the house and stuff like that. Like his pain is very real to me, mm. and uh, it's kind of a strange 
think because it's like I wasn't here but I was imagining it yeah yeah and then it you know it shaped him yes, it which shaped me yes <laughs> yeah and a lot of times you know that weeping has to happen before the connection to God like sometimes it's right. just the, the ex the, it just has to the body has to release it and then then there's Jesus like yeah. there's that there's it's not that he disappeared while you're crying but there has to be this process of just yeah allowing those things to fall out repeatedly yeah until you feel like okay this is this is done like I you know it's kind of like David I mean, it seemed very short in his thing. He did a day of, I think it was a day, right? Or he had a certain point of weep, of mourning. Then he cleaned himself up and he was done. Yeah. Like he had let it all out. One of, the, one of the guys at our church comes from a Jewish family, and he was talking about the mourning process for them. Seven days in the home where they do nothing but tell stories of the person and weep. And um, I don't know if that That's is awesome. a carryover. But yeah, it sounded awesome where they there's no work no expectations no anything they just I feel like man we got we need to institute that in our churches yeah it'd be cool yeah like that's been my like it's I think a big part of dealing with trauma like 60% of it is just grief yeah learning to grieve yeah you know because there's a lot of loss and everything's different yeah you know, and, and part of grief is reintegrating because now, like, once you've walked through the grief process, there's a reintegration because mom is it now. Yeah. Dad is gone. Yeah. And now that's a reality. Yeah. But if you're always pushing against that reality and you haven't really come to terms with it and wept over it and mourned it, yeah. you can't really reintegrate and be present with mom. Yeah. And your kids and your wife. Like, you know, hmm. in a healthier way. So, yeah, I think that's all the. With advice and wisdom I have on those things, but I appreciate it, man. Well, let's uh, let's sign off on that note. All Thanks right. for joining us for Faith Over Breakfast. The volume of the music is coming back up, so yep. I guess that means we're supposed to go. <laughs> so uh, thanks for thanks for spending time with us. We appreciate it. All right. <laughs>